0: Turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13 within God's Word this morning. 1 Corinthians 13 within God's Word this morning. Amen. Again, it's so good to have you with us, and uh, I look forward uh, to getting to meet you if you're brand new. Uh, I play this game called the memory game, and uh, I like to remember your name. And so I'd, I'd love to be introduced to you after the service where we all get a cup of coffee, And uh, it is a delight, a privilege to have you with us here this morning. How many remember those first dates with guys and girls? First dates. And on the first date, there's many guys on the first date, they expect a first, you got it, hallelujah. And this young man is walking his first date, Uh, This girl up to uh, the porch, and as he leaned with confidence upon the doorway, he said, "Uh, how about a kiss? She said, right now, this moment, with the porch light on? Come on, please, first kiss. But somebody might see us. Oh, everybody's sleeping, he said. But this is our first date. That's okay. That's why you have a first kiss. But but my parents, oh, they're... they're They are so dead to the world asleep. Don't worry about it. Just then the other porch light came on. Her younger sister came down, her hair all disheveled, and she said, would you hurry up and kiss him? If you don't kiss him, I'll kiss him. Or dad said he'll come down and and kiss him. Whatever it takes, uh, kiss him. Just to get his hand off of the intercom button, please kiss him so we can go to sleep. Love. That crazy little thing called love. We've been ministering on love uh, this month of uh, February. Come back next week. Pastor Ryan's going to be preaching with the purity ring ceremony, and I'll be in the first two services. Love. 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 That crazy little thing called love. No one has written on love. No philosopher or poet, no Shakespeare, Keats, or Shelley has written on love like the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, love is very patient and kind. Never jealous or envious, never boastful or proud, never haughty or selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges. You will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. It is never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You always believe in him. Always expect the best of him. And always stand your ground in defending him. Say it with me. Love never fails. Over the next few weeks, I'll be focusing on key words in this powerful passage. We've already preached on love is patient. This morning, let's start off with love is kind. Would you circle the word kind? You see, the best way the Bible reveals truth is not through philosophical, esoteric, deep, mysterious teachings. I love the Bible. God's Word is so practical. God teaches us through stories. So we're going to share some love stories this morning and the weeks to come, which reveal far better than Huey Lewis and the news, the power of love. The power of love. Father, in the name of Jesus, grant us, O Holy Spirit, ears to hear, and hearts to receive. In the name of Jesus, we speak this. Amen and amen. Love is kind. After teaching love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus was asked, who is our neighbor? Jesus answered this question with a parable of a Jew who was beaten, robbed, and left for dead. Please note that on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. This victimized man was a gory sight. You would have seen his face smashed, his bones broken. Blood was everywhere. But then a priest came walking along. Oh, there's hope. Surely the priest will give him assistance. The priests of that day and time were descendants of Aaron. They were the only ones that were allowed to enter the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. The priests were in charge of the temple. They had the highest religious office. They were greatly esteemed among the people of Israel. They would be equivalent in our context here of being pastors. What did this priest do? Jesus said he passed by on the other side, and he ignored this man who was beaten, robbed, and left for dead. But then next, a Levite comes walking by. Who were the Levites? It was this tribe that God privileged to serve in the temple, to serve his holy presence. They weren't as high as the priests, They weren't allowed to go into the Holy of Holies, but they worked consistently in the temple. Their whole lives revolved around the temple work and ministry. They would be equivalent to our elders, our deacons in the church. Surely this Levite will give first aid. But Jesus said the Levite ignored him as though he wasn't there and passed by on the other side. The priest, the Levite, they would have told you this is too inconvenient. I don't have time. I have places to go. I have people to meet. Don't you understand? Uh, I'm in charge of God's house, God's business. Uh, There's business administration. There's ministry administration. Uh, There's organization. We have a protocol. We have policies. We have programs, uh, presentations. We have productions. I'm just too busy to get involved. Plus, it's not my gift. It's the job for missionaries. It's the job of, of, of Kevin and Yvonne Callahan who do impact ministry. It's the job uh, uh, for Frank and Sue Pantelina who are, uh, uh, lead our missions ministry. Uh, uh, let somebody else do it. And they pass by on the other side. But then Jesus said, a third man came. A third man. And Jesus distinctively noted this man's nationality. After the priest, after the Levite, a Samaritan came walking by. Who were the Samaritans? You see, the Jews had to keep very careful, detailed genealogies to keep the blood pure. They were not to intermingle with the other nations, the heathen people. After the exile, when the people returned back to Israel, it was the Samaritans that could not track their genealogies. They had not kept careful ancestry.com's they were half Gentile and they were half Jewish the Jews hated them the Jews despised them they were half-breeds so this despised half-breed comes walking by and he sees a Jew Again, the Jews hated the Samaritans. And the half-breed sees the Jew and has pity upon him, gives him first aid, binds his wounds, uh, puts him on his donkey, takes him to the local hotel. Because they didn't have clinics, they didn't have emergency rooms or hospitals in that day and time. He takes him to the local inn and he takes out his wallet and and he says to the innkeeper, I'm going to pay you two denarii. Two denarii were two days wages. How much do you make in two days? He gives them that sum of money, and he says, If his expenses exceed what I'm giving you now, when I return, I will reimburse you in full for all the care that you have initiated on this man's behalf. The Samaritan, he didn't walk on the other side. The Good Samaritan, write it down, reveals that aspect of love called kindness, which is love in action. Kindness is more than feelings. Kindness is more than compassion. Kindness can be propelled by compassion, but kindness is rolling up your sleeves and going to work and performing acts of love for somebody especially those that don't deserve it. The Good Samaritan reveals that aspect of love called kindness, which is love in action. It demonstrates loving acts to others, beginning with who? Our closest neighbors. Who's your closest neighbor? Is it the Joneses that live next door to you? Who's your closest neighbor? Most likely, you're sitting right next to them this morning. Our closest neighbor, we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. Our closest neighbor can be a spouse, a child, a parent. We're called to love our closest neighbor first, and then love the unloving and the unlovely. Listen, Grandpa. Dad, mom, grandma, kids don't need more plastic toys. They need your time. They need your touch. To really love your family, you need to constantly identify their needs and then fulfill them. When was the last time you went on a date with your hubby and said to your hubby, I'm not asking about your needs when you were 25, but at 55, what are your needs? And how can I fulfill them? How can I make you happier? Honey, you're not doing it because they deserve it. Pastor, they don't deserve it. Then give it to them on credit. You do everything else on credit. Do it as unto the Lord for His honor and glory. But this word, this message, really goes to us men. Because women, women are natural lovers. They're nurturers. I mean, how many, how many men do you see standing in line wanting to be a mother? That's why women make much better mothers than us men. And so let me speak to the fathers. Let me speak to the husbands real quick here. How did Christ demonstrate His love for His church? Jesus cooked breakfast for his disciples. That was their need. Husband, have you ever cooked breakfast for your wife? She doesn't have to have a 104 degree temperature. She doesn't have to be in convulsions. She doesn't have to be sick. It doesn't have to be your 39th wedding anniversary. She just might need a break. Bless her. Minister to her. What's your wife's need? Does she need help with, with chores around the house? Does she need help cleaning the bathroom floors? Does she need help cleaning the windows or vacuuming? Does she need help washing the dish? Wash the dishes. I don't wash the dishes. Come on, I'm a man. Listen, Bubba. If soap and water washes off your manliness, you need a hormone shot. Bless her need. Fulfill her need. But she hasn't made the bedroom come alive in a long time. So what? So what? Do it as unto the Lord. He's the final judge. He is the ultimate vindicator. I have found, I have found, I have found when you invest in your spouse, when you invest in your children, when you invest in your loved ones, I'm talking about your loving attention, your loving compassion, your loving care, your kindness, acts of love. You get quadrupled, tenfold in return. Stop moving in conditional love. I'll love you if and move into God's calling upon our lives. Kindness, love is kind. Amen? Love is kind. My Bible, my Bible, my Bible says that uh, Jesus, Jesus washed the feet of his disciples because that was their need. That was their need. What does your wife need? Well, she keeps bugging me about going to the opera. Maybe a concert with Willie Nelson, but not the opera. Who wants to go somewhere where a bunch of fat Italians sing in a language you can't even understand? Listen, Rambo, you don't know the language of love. You don't know the language of love. If it's her need, go, take her, bless her. Husbands, don't be deceived. God has called you not just to be a leader. He's called you to be a lover. A lover. And it's a lot of fun being a lover. And making your loved ones happy and fulfilled as unto the Lord. Oh, you've heard me share it many times. If a man is bald up front, they say he's a thinker. If he's bald behind in the crown of his head, they say he's a lover. If he's bald in both places, he thinks he's a lover. The power of love is especially seen when we demonstrate loving kindness to the unloving and the unlovely. Mark it down. If you would, put that slide up. The unloving. Fill in those words. You see, real Christ followers are not just about a one-way ticket to glory. No, real Christ followers know that Jesus hasn't called us to an armchair religion. He hasn't called us to a country club, blue blood, fat cat religion. He has called Lakeside Assembly of God to be a recruiting center of those who love the hurting, of those who meet the needs of the hurting, of those who have compassion and move in kindness and demonstrate acts of love to a hurting in a lost world. Kindness. Demonstrating acts of love. Real followers of Jesus know that he has called us to die to me, myself, and I. To die to what self wants. To stop looking the other way. To stop passing by on the other side. And to get involved, even when it's inconvenient, with the hurting. Yes, it's easy to love uh, the good-looking people. It's easy to love uh, uh, loving people. But kindness is loving people more than they deserve. Say that with me. Kindness is loving people more than they deserve. One more time. Kindness is loving people. More than they deserve. When God sees that, you are walking under blessing. You are walking under God anointing. You are walking under divine favor. You are fulfilling the word and the will of God and moving in kindness. You see, love has power. I counsel this so much. So many times we seek a supernatural intervention from heaven where God has placed in our hands the power of love. If you will show love, if you will move in love, if you will be a personification of God's love, His hand reaching out, extended to those who are hurting and undeserving, your love has power to shape and to mold and to bring healing, restoration, reconciliation, and most of all, salvation. Anywhere can wear, anybody can wear a button that says, smile, God loves you. But the world doesn't need more smiley buttons. They need more caring saints, caring Christians. Jesus never had a website. Jesus had never had a multimedia campaign, but nobody ever doubted his love. He fed the multitudes. He caused the lame to walk and the blind to see. Uh, He hung out with the outcasts, the undesirables, and he touched the untouchables. I'm convinced that when Jesus reached out and touched the leper, that his touch meant more to the leper than the healing that took place that very second. Hallelujah. Yes. Many times when my daughter, my eldest, Julie, is missing from church on Sunday morning, I don't see her here this morning, and I imagine... It's because she is very, very, very pregnant and uh, going to give birth this month to twin girls after giving birth to twin boys. And many times when she's not here on a Sunday morning, it's because one of the boys is sick. And I remember that so often. I'm one of three children, and when one of us three were sick, we stayed home from church on Sunday morning, and mom didn't let us watch tv mom didn't let us play games no we played church and my sister she led praise and worship and still has a lovely voice to this day i preached of course my first preaching was done playing church at home i remember my very first sermon dundee michigan Way back in 1960, I remember preaching on Samson and Delilah with authority and power. Yes. My first preaching. My brother, he always took the offering. He's still better at me at doing that. Yeah. We played church. Uh, it reminds me of a mommy that was uh, walking by the window and she saw her son. Johnny in the backyard playing church, and his only parishioner, his only congregant, was the uh, house cat, which sat there quietly, perched on the picnic table, listening with rapt attention as Johnny preached away to the household cat. Uh, The mom went about her housework, came back minutes later, and to her shock, And her horror, Johnny is out there baptizing the cat in a tub of water in the name of the Father, the Son, and down the hole you go. And and, uh, the cat is hissing and meowing, and Mommy screams at Johnny, What are you doing, Son? Uh, And Johnny yelled back, This cat needs to understand if she wants to join my church, she's got to get water baptized. are you playing church are you playing church just because you live in a chicken coop doesn't make you a chicken just because you live in a garage doesn't make you a car just because you live in a hangar doesn't make you an airplane just because you come to church does not mean that you are a follower of Jesus Christ a Christian He knows who his true followers are. Jesus said, by their fruits, you will know them. You might have membership here at Lakeside Assembly of God. You might be a Sunday school teacher, an elder, a deacon, a pastor. But if you are not demonstrating acts of love to those who are your closest neighbors, your family, if you are not demonstrating acts of kindness and love to the unloving and the unlovely, you are not a Christian. This is not my word. Don't get mad at me. I am just the messenger. Here's the message. Here's the message. I was hungry, and you wouldn't feed me. Thirsty, and you wouldn't give me anything to drink a stranger and you refused me, hospitality, naked, and you wouldn't clothe me, sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers, you were refusing to help me. And what's the consequence? And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. It's easier to pass by on the other side than to get involved in the needs, the hurts, the pains of others. It's more fun to pass by on the other side, putting your money into cars and clothes and fancy vacations than to support foreign missions. It's more comfortable to get distracted on the other side watching TV and watching your waistline get larger than to help out in the nursery or the Sunday school and pour your life into children, to pour your life into the youth ministry, to pour your life into the needs of others here at Lakeside Assembly of God. It's more convenient to enjoy our nice suburban bubble In Shelby Township and outlying areas, than ministering to the undesirables, the misfits, the rejects, the uglies of society. Hey, preacher, I didn't come here this morning to get this kind of a message. I came here to get a feel good message. Well, that wasn't the message that Jesus preached. Jesus said, I was poor. I was thirsty, I was hungry, I was naked, and you didn't, you didn't, you didn't minister to me. You passed by on the other side. And I say unto you, depart from me. I know you not. If you're checking out this church, wondering if you're going to make it your home church, let me put you on notice and give you a warning. We're not about numbers. We're about being a healthy church. We're about being in the center of God's will, His Word, and His purposes. We want to be true Christ followers. We will not make you convenient. We will not make you comfortable. We're going to stretch you in Christ Jesus. We're going to challenge you. We're going to call you to be sold out and radical for Jesus Christ, to be about the Father's business, because that was Jesus' business, to be about his Father's business of caring, of sharing, of bearing one another's hurts and problems and needs. Uh, Will you, will you rise up uh, and be a true Christ follower and show love in action? love is kind love is kind love is kind Lakeside Assembly of God is not about handing out happy meals every service I'm okay and you're okay we're all going to heaven, hallelujah that's easy that's convenient oh they're packing them out like that We're not in the entertainment business here. We're in the soul-winning business here at Lakeside. (laughs) There's no greater business than our Father's business, the soul-winning business. Amen. Amen. You see, real Christ followers, write it down, are called to be more than good Samaritans. Our greatest kindness and our greatest act of love is making the eternal difference in lives. The eternal difference in lives. I want to remind you, think of it, even the Red Cross, even the Kiwanis, the Rotary Clubs, even goodwill is making a difference in people's lives, being kind to people, showing love to people. The kindness that we're talking about goes way beyond blessing people in the here and now. We're called to make a difference not just in the here and now, but in the hereafter by sharing the gospel, the good news. What is the good news of the gospel? Yes, the gospel is about feeding the poor. Yes, the gospel is about giving them clothes. Yes, the gospel is about healing the hurts of the hurting. But there's far more to the gospel. Let me explain it with this joke. Jesus and the devil were in a contest to discover who was the better computer programmer. Jesus and the devil in a contest in heaven. God being the judge. Both Jesus and the devil were typing furiously. Streams of data were going up and down the computer monitor screens when all of a sudden, lightning strikes in heaven and all the power goes out. Computer screens go blank. God then restores the power in heaven. And then he turns to, God, to Jesus and the devil and he says, Let's see how you did. Satan, how'd you do? Show me your work. Satan says, I've got nothing. I lost it all. When the lightning struck, when we lost power, I've got nothing. God turns to his son Jesus. Jesus... What do you have? Jesus just puts down one button and all the angelic choirs sing. There's harps, trumpets are blaring. Up on the screen, all the data. Satan roars, How did he do it? God merely looks over and says, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. I've lost more sermons by not saving. (laughs) Jesus saves. What is the heart of the gospel? It's more than helping the hurting with food. It's more than clothing the naked with clothes. Uh, What's the heart, the core of the gospel? Jesus saves. The most loving thing we can do as a church is to proclaim the good news. There is salvation in no other name save the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Love is kind kindness kindness meets the needs of others but ultimately it addresses the greatest need salvation in the name of jesus the baptism of love to really love the unlovely and the unloving people in our lives like jesus we desperately need a baptism of love the baptism of love is far more than feelings It's far more than mere sentimentality. It's far more than a feel-good experience. You know what a feel-good experience is. I recently met my first babysitter. Do you remember your first babysitter? I do. She was a good-looking girl of 13 and I was five. She was my first crush. And I clearly remember as a five-year-old boy, look out for those five-year-old boys, as a five-year-old boy in the backseat of a car, I told her to close her eyes. And she said, why? I said, I have a surprise for you. Close your eyes. She closed her eyes, and I laid a big one right on her lips. My first kiss. My first crush. Your pastor's always been a lover and not a fighter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did get my wife on her knees recently though. Yeah, she was on her knees and I was under the bed and she said, come out and fight like a man. (laughs) Love her. But this love that I'm speaking of is far more than a mere sentimentality. It's more than a feelings dimension. Uh, It's far more than conditional love. I'll love you if you love me in return. The love that I'm speaking of The baptism of love that you and I need to move in. It's what we desperately need here at Lakeside. A baptism, a holy baptism of love. It's supernatural. It's beyond. It's beyond what we can humanly generate. (laughs) It comes from on high. It's an anointing. This baptism of of love. Yes. Jesus reveals this baptism of love when his first cousins came to him with a question. Who are Jesus' first cousins? cousins they were disciples of his anybody know James and John they were his first cousins they come to him and they said Jesus when you come into your kingdom uh, we want to sit on the right hand and the left hand of power we want authority we want power and what did Jesus say in mark 10:38 Jesus said this you don't know what you're asking can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Was Jesus speaking of a literal cup, a literal baptism? No. These were metaphors, these were figures of speech. What was the baptism Jesus was describing? The cross. Real love. When it's real, when it's extended to those who have deeply disappointed you and hurt you, real love that keeps loving even though they curse you and spit at you. Real love keeps on loving. It's still going like the Energizer bunny. It keeps loving. It keeps loving. It keeps loving. Still going. Still going. And Jesus from the cross as they tortured him said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. It's grace. It's mercy. It's forgiveness. It reaches out and gives love to those who don't deserve it. I'm talking about the baptism of love. The word baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo. Baptizo literally means to be soaked, immersed, saturated. That's why we don't sprinkle here. We do it the Bible way. The Bible says that Jesus came up out of the water. We don't sprinkle you. We don't use a squirt gun on you. We dunk you. We get you all wet. We do it the Bible way, the Jesus way. Baptizo means to immerse, to saturate, to soak. That's what you need. (laughs) You're dealing with that ornery husband who has all the romance, love, and affection of spam. He's a block of wood. He's never done you right. Your marriage has been a big disappointment. Now, honey, you can camp there in disappointment. You can camp there in depression. You can camp there in disillusionment. Or you can do something about it. And you can start loving him as unto the Lord. And your whole dimension and perspective will change. A new bounce will come into your step. A new smile will come on your face. Because there's nothing worse than feeling that you're out of control. This is something that you can do. This is something that honors God. This is something he'll empower you to do. You can't do this in and of yourself. You need a holy helper. Who is the holy helper? God the Holy Spirit. Some of you can speak in tongues 40,000 miles an hour, but you don't have a baptism of love. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. And according to my Bible and your Bible, the baptism of love is even more important than the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Our Lord's baptism of love then is a supernatural empowering by God's Holy Spirit that will enable you to live out 1 Corinthians 13. Let's look at that verse again, that passage again. Paul says love does not hold grudges. Circle that, underscore, does not hold grudges. Doesn't keep any record of wrongs. We're talking about real love here. We're talking about real Christianity. This is not a happy meal religion. Doesn't hold grudges. It remembers with release, not resentment. And will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. When you're walking in this baptism of love, you will always believe in him and her. And always, here's the keyword, keyword, keyword. Plug this, plug your Bible into the wall socket right now and let this word light up on the passage here. Circle it, underscore it, highlight it. Expect the best of Him. Expect, some of you are walking in depression, some of you are walking in such severe doubt, some of you are, are, are gripped with such terrible disillusionment and despair. Because you've been talking down the one who has hurt you. In your mind, you think of all their bad points, their negative points. You focus on all the t- how they've let you down. You focus on how they've ruined your reputation. You, you're focusing on how that child uh, has not lived up to the script that you wrote for them and how deeply they've hurt you. They've cut you to the quick. And your whole life is focused on how they have deeply disappointed you. You speak it, you eat it, you drink it. And it's no wonder why you're not experiencing the miraculous. When you're moving in this baptism of love that God wants to pour out on you, You stop focusing on the impossibilities and you begin to see possibilities in the name of Jesus. You stop seeing the actualities of where they're at right now, their drug addiction, their perverted lifestyle. You stop looking at the actualities and you begin seeing by love's faith uh, the potentialities in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah! Because apart from Him, you can do nothing. Nothing, but with him all things are possible. Will you be baptized with the baptism of love? It'll shape and reconfigure your marriage. Uh, It'll reshape and reconfigure your home life. It'll give you a bounce in your step. It'll square your shoulders. You'll take your stand every morning. You'll get out of bed and say, This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in him. There it is. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Amen. The baptism of love. The baptism of love. It's best described in the story of a father who stood on his porch one day with stooped shoulders, tears streaming down his face as he watched his son leave home. This son wasn't going off to college. He wasn't moving out of state because of marriage. He wasn't going off to war. No, this son son has packed up his things, and he's leaving in rebellion. When it came to money, he didn't want to earn it. He didn't want to work for it. He didn't want to sweat for it. He wanted it now. He didn't want responsibilities. He wanted his rights even though the father knew it was not in his son's best interest his son was given a handout by the father one last handout of money the son wouldn't listen to his father's warnings because this boy knew what was best for him this boy told his mom and dad back off i want my space This is what will make me happy. This is what I need. I'm out of here. I'm going to enjoy some real living. I'm going to party. Nobody's going to tell me what to do where I'm going. This boy, if you would have interviewed him, he'd say to you, I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm up to here with home. But most of us who know this story know that very, very, very soon. This boy will be homesick instead of just being sick of home. So this rebel fired up his Harley Davidson. He released the kickstand. He fired up the engine. He popped a wheelie out the driveway and left a rubber patch on the concrete. Imagine the father's pain. I can imagine the father standing on the porch, the mother standing on the porch. As the son's figure becomes a tiny dot on the horizon, he's gone. Yes, some of you have had to say goodbye to your kids going to college or the military, but rebellion, rebellion's exit, is the worst of all. Far away from home, this boy, he spent his father's money on the high life. Uh, he bought the latest clothes. He paid for the latest tattoos, the, the earrings, the, the piercings. Uh, he bought himself a BMW convertible with a 1,000-watt a, a amp, uh, two 15-inch subwoofers, Thunder six thousands. I mean, he's cruising down the road. It's booming Hits uh, by Justin Bieber, Drake. Beyonce, 21 Pilots. Yeah, I know that stuff too. He bought his friends marijuana, or as you guys call it, the plant. He bought them ecstasy, cocaine, heroin. He wanted to satisfy every sensual desire, every sexual urge. Back home, there were chores. Uh, Here, it's all about getting high and making love. But as quickly as he ran out of money, he ran out of friends. You got it. And when a bad recession hit, I mean, we're talking in 2008, worse than that, Great Depression hit. Rather than going home, rather than repenting, rather than being restored to his parents, he said, I can still make it. I can still pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Uh, I'll get a job. I'll be somebody. The only work that he could find, though, was in the farming industry. As he became, if you look at the zoological genus, the Latin term, he became a sus domesticus technician what is a sus domesticus technician he got a job slopping pigs he was a pig feeder but he wrote his friends he sent a text to his friends and he said hey as he put a good spin on it this is in hog heaven I'm in hog heaven I got a great job But his job took a turn for the worse. At times he got so hungry, he even craved the food of the, that's how low he got. And that's how low those that turn their back on God get. You see, every hog heaven, write it down, that our world offers is dressed up with a lie. It's dressed up with deception. They'll tell you, hey, that's the cool place to go. All the really cool people, the popular people go there. But they won't tell you. They won't tell you about the smell. They won't tell you about the vulgarity. They won't tell you about the filth, the disease. They won't tell you about the addiction, how if you take that drug just once, you're addicted for life. They won't tell you about the broken homes, the ruined lives. They won't tell you about the utter hopelessness. Listen, if you choose to lie down with the hogs uh, rather out of a Rebellion to your parents Or rebellion to the laws of the state Or rebellion to the laws of God You've chosen a hog heaven. You shouldn't be there. You shouldn't be there at all. You were born for something better than than coughing and then spitting, throwing up in the back seat of a car. You were born for something better than sniffing, injecting, or snorting. You were born for a better use uh, for your body than to fill it with gonorrhea, syphilis, VD, uh, herpes, AIDS, and 50 other sexually transmitted diseases. You were born for a better satisfaction than heroin, cocaine. Listen, there isn't much hope in the hog heavens that this world offers. You see, You were born to be a chosen generation. You were born to be a royal priesthood. You were born to be a holy people, a special people that you might show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You were born, hallelujah, to be fashioned for the glory of God. And the enemy should have no authority in this place, hallelujah. You were born for the shed blood of Jesus Christ to be poured over your life in and through your life. You were born for the Father to look down upon you and say, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. This is a king's kid. That is your destiny. That is your calling. That's what real happiness is all about. But the Father, and there's my main focus this morning, the Father, the Father, the Father, had not given up. Have you given up? Have you given up with your loved one? The father had not given up caring for his son. He had not given up praying for his son. He had not given up looking for his son. He had not given up lovingly expecting him to return home. We can imagine, if you read the story, he lived every day looking far in the distance for his son to return home and be restored to him. I hope by now you've realized that I've plagiarized this whole story. I didn't write it. It's not my story. Whose story is it? Jesus' story. Jesus said in Luke 15, 20, that while the son was still a long way off. His father saw him. How could the father see him if he was a long way off? It meant that the father and the mother had to be out on that porch practically 24-7 looking every day expecting their son to be (laughs) returned home to them, expecting their son to experience reconciliation, restoration, salvation. The father saw him, was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, he threw his arms around him, kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, <laughs> bring the best robe and, and put it on him. Put a ring on his fingers, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf, kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He's lost and is found. Who?" Is the loved one in your family circle who is the loved one in your relationship circle that right now is dead and needs to come alive again, is lost and needs to be found? God wants to use you. He wants you to be His hand reaching out, extended to reconcile, to restore, to save. He wants you to move in expectation love for that one right now that's your prodigal. Yes, the prodigal has a free will. Yes, you can't control people. But listen to me. If you'll stop talking down on that one that you've married or given birth to, if you'll stop talking down on that one who's your parent, Or your close family member. If you'll stop saying, born a loser and always a loser, oh, they disappoint me, oh, they make me angry. If you'll stop that, if you'll stop looking at actualities and begin seeing through the Father's eyes and begin looking and expecting. If you'll stop looking at actualities and focus in on the potentialities of what God can do and how God can use you, you will create a miracle pathway for a healing, for a restoration to take place in your life and their life. But just as long as you continue to move in depression, despair, and denigrating them in your mind and saying, Oh, they've disappointed me. I wish I'd never had given birth to them. As long as you keep doing that, just that long, you keep yourself from a miracle. Now, you can apply that in any way you desire. Friends, family, loved ones. I'm especially talking about our closest neighbors. It's the people closest to us that can hurt us the most. Hurt us the most. But when love... Real love moves in expectation. It keeps expecting the best. It keeps expecting the miraculous. It doesn't give up on people. Aren't you glad God didn't give up on you? I said, aren't you glad that God didn't give up on you? A preacher was driving driving too fast in West Virginia on the icy roads. He was late for church. He was late to preach. Coming in the opposite direction was a drunk who was weaving from side to side, and the preacher, to avoid hitting the drunk head on, he threw his car into the ditch. The drunk stopped and staggered up to the preacher's car, the pastor got out of the car and drew his hand across his forehead and said, thank God Jesus was with me in that. The drunk looked at him and said, you better let him start doing the driving from now on, or you're going to get yourself killed. You might be saying here this morning, pastor. I just can't do it. Pastor, the hurt goes too deep. Pastor, you don't know the disappointment they've created, the deep black hole in my heart. I might not know. I know I'm not in your shoes, but I know in whom I have believed that he is able, to do that which is exceedingly and abundantly more than you can ask or think you've been doing all the driving isn't it time to let jesus do the driving? is it a time for him to open up a gusher a baptism a supernatural love that flows through you so that you can love that one more than they deserve? Some of you are looking for a lightning bolt to come down. Some of you are looking for an angel to scare the pants off of them. Where all you need to do is understand the power of love. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. Put the last answer up on the screen. If you want a miracle this morning, real love stands on the porch of your life like the Father, looking with loving expectation, expecting the best, not the worst, for a miracle in your loved one's life. You got a song for us, Cindy? Let's sing it right now. Amen. I worship you, almighty God. There is none like you. Oh, sing it with her. And I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I want. Give you praise, for you are my righteousness, and I worship you all. Eyes are bowed, eyes are closed here this morning. For too long, for too long, you have allowed the enemy to whisper in your ear that it's hopeless or that you are a bad parent or that your prayers are not being heard. This morning, that stops. Maybe it's not a child I'm talking about, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's some other loved one. But this morning, like the father of the prodigal, There's going to come a baptism of love that's going to cause you to keep expecting. There's going to come a baptism of love that's going to cause you to be like the good Samaritan. And you're going to bless that one. You're going to show loving kindness to them. You're going to give love even though they don't deserve it. Today begins a new day. It begins a new chapter. How many are here today? And with an upraised hand, you would say, Pastor, I want a baptism of love for the one that has deeply disappointed me, the one that's hurt me, the one that needs restoration, the one that needs to come back to God, the one that's dead but needs to come alive, the one that's lost and needs to be found. I need a baptism of love. We Lift up your hand right now. How many? How many? You've been hurt. You've been disappointed. You've been victimized, lifted up high, precious Jesus We're going to sing that chorus again. Would you join me down here at this altar? Elders are coming deacons, pastors, wives come you.